Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. This episode is going to be a real page turner. Bookmark today's episode because it's going to be a major chapter in your life. That's right. We're talking about books and I'm killing Nick with my puns. I, th- I thought we agreed one pun. No, more more puns. Never enough puns. Ugh. But I'm doing good. I got to say, I got to talk about puns. We're going to talk about books. I got some rum with me. What about you, Nick? How are you doing? I'm doing great. I got some Coors Light and... You know we talk about books all the time, but now we're going to only talk about books. I want to talk about, well, everything about books, Mike, but mostly the books that we enjoy, the how we read books, why we read books, what books we've read, kind of go down a little bit of a history. I want to start out with what books did we read as a child? And I'm going to talk while you kind of think about it. So like I said in a previous episode, I wasn't really into reading, and then... The first book I remember reading was a Star Wars book. I think it was like a Rogue Squadron or there's something with X-Wings involved. But then after that, the next big thing we read was um, my mom would read to me and my brother Little House on the Prairie. Coincidentally, both of us ended up leaving and moving west. Don't know if that was related, but could be. (laughs) Um, And my mom is also a big reader. When we were kids, she had like a little book club, not or uh, like a book reading competition between like our house and our friends, you know who I'm talking about. And uh, so she's always encouraged me to read. My dad likes to read too, but I'd say my mom is the bigger reader. And then when I started reading by myself a lot more, I'd say this is a book that I don't know if I realized the effect it had on me at the time. But looking back now, I feel like this may this book may have had a big effect on my own life. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Jean Craighead George. Not a bloody clue. Uh, she wrote the book My Side of the Mountain about a kid who ran away and uh, lived in the mountain, by lived in the Catskills by himself with the raptor that he trained and taught to help him find food and kind of the struggle of living out in the woods. And I was thinking about it the other day because... I've always been trying to get out into nature. Maybe that's just because of who I am. But a lot of the books that I read growing up, it seems like pushed me into this living outside role now that looking back in the future at the past. Well, I was kind of a opposite beginning, Nick. I've always been love of books. I've, well, to be honest, I've always been kind of a little bit of the outcast. So books were a natural vice to go to. For me, growing up, Magic Tree House was big when I was like little, little. But one series that really captivated my love for reading was Percy Jackson and the Olympian series. That series of books by Rick Riordan, I absolutely fell in love with. And that was the first time I can ever remember waiting for the opening date for the next book to come out. Like I was counting down the days until the next chapter and that and that and that series comes out that solidified my love for reading especially since that happened at a young age i believe i was before middle school when those came out i also 
enjoyed the Magic Treehouse books. Also, I don't know if you ever read any of the Choose Your Own Adventure books. I feel like it's probably around the same age. But I totally forgot about waiting for books to come out at midnight. So that's not a thing anymore. Yeah, that's isn't it? It's so it, it was such a, a big part, especially if you fell in love with an author or a or a book series. But to answer your question, Nick, I was more of a Goosebumps telltale rather than a normal telltale. Like, will you go through the creepy door or up the stairs? And that, that was kind of the, the Goosebumps series telltales were kind of my go to. Yeah, I never got into Goosebumps, but I remember seeing those books everywhere. Everyone loved those books. I'd say I, I can't really remember all the books that I waited that we went to the store like pretty early or something. I know the one time I think we did it was Harry Potter. And that was probably, I know a lot of people did that for one of whatever Harry Potter it was at the time. So this is going to be a hot topic issue, but I'm not the biggest fan of the Harry Potter books. There, I said it. It's okay. I I was really into them, but now, well, maybe because I don't really watch the movies. I I read all the books, but I wasn't as big a fan of the movies. So it's kind of like I read it and now I'm done with it. It It's not really one I want to revisit, so I'm not going to hold that over you. It's amazing how the love for the book can completely change your influence on the movie. Of course, the book's always better than the movie, but it it that perspective it gives on the story is night and day. For sure. Speaking of fantasy, did you ever read the uh, the Aragon series? I'm trying to remember how to pronounce it. The ones with the dragons on the cover. Oh, yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah. There were there were three. There was the. Uh, the Red One, which is the third book, but I think it was Eldest, I think it was called, something like that. Yeah, I remember those books. Yeah, those are other good, another good fantasy book from back in the day. Those are big, too. Yeah, uh, that, that was, those were, I would say, in our middle school, Nick, of when those came out, and those were, everyone was reading them. Yeah, and then, so I wanted, I have another book that I kind of want to bring up that kind of bridged my reading gap from like young adult into adult books. I don't know if you're familiar with the Clan of the Cave Bear series by Gene All. I am not. I hope that's how you say your last name. I have no idea. But um, this is a series of books about a Neanderthal woman who joined a clan of Homo sapiens and kind of basically how society functioned and in the end of the neanderthal beginning of homo sapien reign kind of so traveling through an old europe or old wherever it was i don't even remember but uh just an old you know land with all these different cultures and taken from one culture enslaved in another and just all sorts of interesting things that i never would have thought about without reading this book i went down a similar avenue but a different direction i at this time my period fell in love with the story of atlantis absolutely love the idea i think probably the disney atlantis movie had a big influence on that but i was just gonna say that was such a great movie yeah but i decided to dive into it see if maybe i could find atlantis I read, at this time, Plato's uh, Timaeus and Cretus. And I'll tell you this, Nick. When you're about 11 years old reading ancient Greek texts from a philosopher, it it really messes with your thinking abilities because you're like, why does anything matter? Why 
what's the point of lit like like you reflect upon the world very differently especially when you're that influential and that kind of sponge age yeah that's uh i'd also say the same thing with uh the clan of the cave bear definitely changed how you think just you know you you see situations that you would never have i mean you could potentially i guess in in some sort of way but that you're not thinking about when you're a teenager that's completely you're exposed to something you'd never think about and i feel like it uh takes your brain places that you know it's good to think about those things you know expand your mind that's what books are all about i'm at i think actually that's a good question what are what's the purpose of books well before we get to that i want to ask you a question you said this is our time in high school about expanding our minds well high school tends to force students to read granted it's usually not the best books actually i would say almost none of them are any good but if you had to choose one book and when you're developing your mind in high school that you were forced to read what book would that be so out of the books i read there's there's two books that come out to me um so i had one would be the odyssey and the other would be the giver see that's very interesting to me because i knew the story of the odyssey before reading the book um probably watching like the sci-fi channel when i was a kid or something wasn't a big fan of the book Granted, I haven't read it in since then, so my opinion probably has changed. So I wasn't a fan of the Odyssey then either, but I feel like if I re- reread it now, I would get a lot more out of it. So I think, and we, I did enjoy the discussion on the Odyssey, and this might be more of a teacher-centric than opposed to like the actual book carried it. I think because th- what I enjoyed about the Odyssey was the discussions in class, not as much as the actual story. So if you're going purely story, it'd probably have to be Giver. But I also always kind of wanted to go back and reread the Odyssey as an adult because I feel like it'd be different than what I read it in high school. Oh, absolutely. I haven't, like I said, read the Odyssey since high school, but I have read the Iliad when I was in college just for fun. And since, you know, the Iliad leads to the Odyssey, and I like the Iliad quite a bit, made me made me think on the... The determination, the influences, the drive that mankind has. That that was stuck with me. But I, I do like your answer with The Giver. I read that, I think, before high school, from my middle school. And I, I really enjoyed that. I, I think that was more, though, heroism rather than the meaning behind the story. Like, oh, you're the chosen one, so to speak. Anakin, you are the chosen one. You were supposed to bring balance to the force, not destroy it. <laughs> well, speaking of destroying and books in high school that we were forced to read, uh, uh, for me, it'd be either Lord of the Flies or Hamlet by uh, Shakespeare. Those two books taught me that mankind is dark, but sometimes it's good to be dark, especially with uh, Hamlet. I relate to that on a personal level, uh, but the idea of setting a chess game so you can act like you're crazy granted you don't see all the consequences like you're having your girlfriend kill herself and float down a river or your best friend go mad but the idea of this avant-garde revenge and trying to move chess pieces around to control the board that really appealed to me lord of the flies because it's just chaos and i absolutely love chaos i thought lord of the flies it was higher on my list i didn't really enjoy it but i also 
did not like my teacher in that one. And there, I feel like that would have been a better one to read if I had a better teacher who was more willing to have an actual discussion, not just, well, this is what I see in Lord of the Flies, so this is this is what you all see. But I did enjoy that fact that um, that's... Uh, so my dad, um, I had read a lot of books, like uh, memoirs and people in the military at that time. So I had, you know, I guess seen or read about like some of the, like whatever that happened. And, but I do think you're right. I think it was good for people to see like the dark side of humanity because I've a lot, that did make a lot of people in our class uncomfortable. Well, I, I really, as dark as it sounds, I really enjoyed it because it took children who are supposed to be innocent and pure and turn them into cannibals like it showed that we are corruptible we're changeable and i think having having just people general when you're reading books people are really good at ruining things for other people and books are no exception to that and man bad teacher or two have definitely put me off certain books that if i didn't have them i might have liked it you ever have this a little bit off topic but um someone in our class their mom uh, Mrs. Wilson, she we were reading some book and she came in and was a sub for like a week and then everyone loved the book after hating it all semester just because of how she taught it. <laughs> it it's true. It's just how you put a spin on it. It's that like um, Brave New World. That was a perfect example for me. I hated reading that book in high school because my teacher made it miserable because I disagreed with the teacher on a lot of the viewpoints and when I got to finally reread it when i was out of high school i'm like oh this is actually not a half bad book yeah it's it's people do that i think it's almost like uh you know you can't read a book when someone says that the book is so much better than the movie because you come in with all these expectations like you it's really important not to like spoil a book almost oh it's the best when you're just wandering a bookstore and you come across a book it just kind of blindsides you with it with joy and happiness so there's been, you know, tons of authors over thousands of years. I want to ask you about the classics, Mike. What are your favorite quote-unquote classics? And to help you define that, I'll give you two of mine. So my all-time, I don't know if you'd call this a classic. It might be a little too recent, but Old Man in the Sea by Ernest Hemingway. Probably, I think, one of the craziest stories just the writing is is amazing. You can picture everything. I I love that book. I read it and I can't remember when. And then I bought another copy and I keep it in my truck just to read if I ever get bored and are waiting somewhere. So don't hate me. I have yet to read that book. Oh, you motherfucker! Oh, I thought you were gonna say you. Hated oh no it. no no! It's on my list. I have yet to read it, but I I count that as a classic. I am a sucker for the classics. So. Like I mentioned, Plato. Plato led me to Socrates. Huge fan of Socrates. Uh, Fahrenheit 451. Uh, all the like the original monsters, Frankenstein, Dracula. Uh, it, I was really lucky. I have my great-great-grandmother's book collection. So I have books. I have about 100 books, all first editions from like 1870s, like when they were first like published, of all like the classics, like uh, Moby Dick, well, I think Moby Dick, I, that Moby Dick might have been his second or third edition, but I have all 1,800 books of the classics, so I, I read those very carefully, not to mess with those, but one that 
is actually a little bit newer than uh, Old Man the Sea, which I kind of consider a classic, was Atlas Shrugged. That was def- that's definitely my top five favorite books of all time. Yes, that's reaching into another category we're going to talk about, but I love Atlas Shrugged. That's one of the stories I identify with personally. Um, can't say enough good things about it. I also enjoy the fact that I feel like reading that book together in our little book club spurned this entire venture. So there's also that. Before we get into Atlas Shrugged, because I feel like we could talk for that book about a minute, I want to go back to the classics for a second. Yep. So, so I think the classics, to me, they're ageless. When I read memoirs or uh, doing research and I look back at people 200 years ago, talk about their problems, stuff like that, you could change that to a text and it sound like modern day. Granted, their word choice is much better than current day society, but... It shows me how human everyone is throughout the ages. And some of these classics, like um, like uh, Huckleberry Finn or, or The Adventures of Tom Sawyer or Moby Dick, just those just stick with you. And the classics, they're, they're ageless. They can transfer the times. And I'm wondering, Nick, what have you gathered from the classics, especially Old Man and the Sea, since you love that so much? Like, how has that influenced your life today? Well, specific, so Old Man in the Sea, I'm a big fisherman. I love to go fishing. I love being out on the water. And I always think about uh, this. what I think the moral of that story is, is he almost like lived off his catch in the ocean, and he brought this great fish back, but the tourists at the end weren't, they thought it was a shark. They didn't recognize it as being this fish that this man caught, which was incredible. And so you're not out there fishing for these other people. You're out there doing it for yourself, which I think is a lesson that most fishermen also agree with. Well, that's just a lesson in life. Do things, don't play the gallery. Do things for yourself, not for others. But yeah, just the, and also the struggle. Like the struggle in that story was for being a book that you could put down and pick back up in the same exact spot. Even reading it the second time, when it gets to the fight with the fish, I can't put it down. And then even after he catches the fish, trying to get back to shore before it spoils and keep it from the sharks and the birds, I have to read the entire thing. Like it, I'm, I can't, I can't let go. Isn't it the best feeling though when you know you should go to bed but you can't stop, and a book that you want to, you don't want to read it because you don't want it to end, but you can't help but put it down. I've had days where I've accidentally finished a book an entire day. Like you just, you just can't put it down. It sounds quite. Dis- that is your golden finch, Nick. That book is your golden finch. Yeah, luckily it's a short book, so <laughs> <laughs> relatively short. Um, but yeah, so another one of my favorites. That's a classic. Um, I don't know if you've read this one. It's a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court, and my dad. We, I picked this one out with my dad at a Barnes & Noble, just looking for something to read. It was on sale. And holy cow, this book is entertaining. Give you a brief summary. This guy's from like the, I don't know, like the 1920s, 30s, whatever. Gets hit by lightning, goes back to medieval times, and he has to survive. Luckily, and he's about to be hanged for being a witch or something. It's been a while since I read it because his clothes are all different but luckily he remembers that there's supposed to be a full moon or um oh, what's it called when the sun or when the moon goes in front of the sun eclipse an eclipse 
And so he tells the people that he's not, he's going to take away the sun if they try and kill him. And then the eclipse happens and then they think he's a wizard and he just uses his like basic knowledge of like how the world works to convince everyone that he's like this genius, this wizard. It, it's pretty, pretty funny. And just, uh, just interesting. Another one is hard to put down. Well, that one is actually on my bookshelf. I can see it right from where I'm sitting, and that's still on my list. I've yet to read that one. I think you of all people would enjoy that one. Um. <laughs> um, I don't know. For me, I guess when I think of classics, a lot of my classics that I go to are less comical, like The Count of Monte Cristo, The Man in the Iron Mask, Dracula. They're, they have more of a serious tone to them. I don't know... Again, maybe two sides of a coin. Maybe we're just going different avenues of classics. Out chance, have you read any of those? I haven't read any of those. My reading tends to be, in high school, I'd say my reading was more science fiction. Pretty much any anything Star Wars. And then I've read a lot of thrillers, like Vince Flynn. And then now I read a lot of books about nature. So... I only randomly would read books like that. I know my mom is going to give me a lot of shit because she bought me Moby Dick and it's sitting on my bookshelf right now next next to my bed and it is on the list. I know. Why does the list always grow so long? There's so many books in so few time. Well, it takes 30 seconds for someone to recommend a book and it takes you months to finish one. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. I'm not going to lie. One of my favorite things to do if I have like a day off is just get a cup of coffee, put my feet up and read a good book. That to me is like a perfect Sunday. So I can't just do that. I need to do uh, I need to do something. And I feel like I got this from my dad. But what I'll do is I'll go hiking somewhere and like like for a couple miles or something and then set up my hammock and then read wherever I'm at. Unless it's a really good book and then I'll just start reading it. I like is when I go to bed and just stay up all night, but I don't know. I can't just sit down and read unless I'm, I don't know, gotten stuff knocked out first. Even though I love reading, I feel like I need to accomplish something before I can relax. I understand that, but I find it very interesting. So back in my old place, I had a chair, this beaten down leather chair, and it was like a montage. Like as I would read a book, I would like start rotating in it. Like I'd be sideways in the chair, I'd be upside down in the chair, laying back in the chair. I would be on the footrest, et cetera, et cetera. I, that was like my spot to read. I'm, I prefer to be a cozy reader, I guess, where I have my spot, kind of relax. Kinda, I like being in the sun when I read, but I've yet to hike out, set up a hammock and read. That sounds quite enjoyable though. I got a spot. Perfect. Um, yeah. So here's a question we've kind of touched on, but do you have any books that you read that then entirely change your perspective on something? This is going to sound kind of cheesy, but The Martian, uh, I liked the book. I thought it was a pretty good book, not fantastic or anything like that, but the author's writing style, I absolutely fell in love with it. The author's writing style influenced me to truly start working on my book uh because the way he wrote it was just so natural like how i would speak and it just kind of clicked with me where hey this traditional writing style of shakespeare or 
you know, Great Gatsby or, you know, fiction books of where like Lord of the Rings where it goes on and on. It's doesn't always have to be like that. You can have this completely new writing style. And that really that really hit home with me. What about you, Nick? So f- for me, a book that changed my perspective would be uh, The Eternal Frontier by Tim Flannery. And it's a book about North America, starting when North America was essentially a rock, all the way until now, detailing the evolution of every all the organisms that live there, from the evolution of the trees to the uh, mam- to how to when mammals, reptiles, all of that, how they played with each other, how the geography shaped the evolution of all those animals, how species coming from different parts of the world then interacted. Like, did you know camels? originated in north america yes and they are also built for cold climates okay well it was a surprise to me but uh (laughs) his his writing really changed my perspective on invasive species because pretty much everything in the world has at one point lived somewhere else and even it takes thousands of years for that environment to adapt to the new species that was introduced it's our method of looking at something as invasive in human terms is so low it's if it's been here less than like 50 years, it's invasive. But in another 10,000 years, like nature's time scale, it's not going to make a difference and the environment will have adapted. We're, I guess it really changed my perspective on, and this is, it kind of drove the nail home. I mean, I've been given this perspective in college because growing trees, a couple, 200, 300 years isn't a large time scale for me to fathom just with fire return intervals and looking at the landscape and that measure but now i'm looking at the landscape in thousands of years intervals and so it it really changed my perspective on how nature and time interact and how small a blip we really are in in the actual time frame of not just north america but this planet so two things one have you read time machines by h.g wells no but i did oh man what else did he write i do i read a book by h.g wells that i really liked that was it war of the worlds I did as the classic I liked. Well, I highly recommend Time Machine if you like the idea of perspective on time. If I can go back and add on to my answer, The Martian was more outward influence, but inward influence, it would either, I can't remember which book it was by Socrates, but he, I just remember this, he, he asked his fellow philosophers going, how do you define color? That simple question to me, stuck with me and i i still think about it where some things in society are just quote-unquote a given but why are they given that book socrates alone taught me to question everything to think outside the box to think was it really like this why 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 is things the way they are and another big one for me was fahrenheit 451 realizing that to me it, it for the first time in my life it wasn't the the good side the good guys, quote unquote, weren't the good guys. You could be a villain, but still be on the righteous side. And that's, I, I gathered that a lot from that that novel. Yeah, so there's a lot I want to say to that. But um, so definitely read all the Star Wars books. People are going to talk some shit, but there really isn't a morality discussion like there are in a lot of Star Wars books. Because you have your, your good, right? Like you're Jedi, obviously, but... Their morality is so different just in, in between Jedi and all this stuff in what is good 
and who was the good guy. I mean, a lot of the books focused on the bad guys and made them the good guys. And so it really gets blurry, um, just underrated. One of my favorite sci-fi authors, Karen Travis, uh, just she's a, a great author. Just wanted to give her a little props there. But so this leads into my next question or for you, Mike, while I answer something you said. So books that impacted me internally, I read a, a, a biography of Teddy Roosevelt. And I was just like, you know, he, he didn't spend any time wasting time. He was always doing something, even though he had asthma, which was an actual like illness back then, like he was actually afflicted by it, but he was always doing something. And so that kind of made me look inward to see if I was always doing something. And then this is my next question. I love books on Teddy Roosevelt, obviously because he was one of the greatest presidents. And I love all the books on him. Do you think that I like the authors that write about Teddy Roosevelt? Or you can be a bad writer and write about such an interesting topic that the book is always good. I think the latter, because I'm the same way with Leonardo da Vinci. I, as you are for Teddy Roosevelt novels, I am for Leonardo da Vinci novels. The amount of bibliographies written by Leonardo da Vinci, or not by, by but on Leonardo da Vinci, the information is not going to change. He's dead. There's, I mean, there's not really new evidence coming out, but I still read them and I still love them every single time. Like I really like Walter, uh, Walter Isaac and Isaacton. Sorry if I pronounced your last name wrong, but his bibliographies, love them. And the one on Leonardo da Vinci, absolutely loved. Well, that was an easier question than I thought. But I, I think we kind of skipped it. I wanted to ask it because I have it written down in my notes. But I feel like you were a Tom Clancy fan growing up. Oh, man. How could I not mention Tom Clancy? Yeah, I read a lot of Tom Clancy. Good. I just saw it, I, I just, I just saw it on my list. I'm like, we didn't talk about him. He definitely deserves some recognition. Yeah, I definitely read a lot of Tom Clancy. Like I said, when uh, along with Vince Flynn, I kind of went for... Oh, another good one. Clive Cussler. Probably... If I had to say author that's provided me the most joy, it'd be him. Clive Cluster. I'm trying to think what books. What uh, The Dirk Pitt novels? I don't think I read those. God. Hey, You're I... missing out on life. Okay, so I'll give you kind of the, the backstory. So Dirk Pitt works for NUMA, the National Underwater Marine Agency. Kind of like hey, Nick. a mix between NOAA and the Coast Guard. Hold on. He's basically an archaeologist who occasionally fights terrorism and a, like a botanist or a biologist as well. So that's where he's your like love a scuba of trees diver. come from. He's a scuba diver. He's more, a, like I said, underwater. So he's more like reef fish and algae and plankton kind of stuff. But like I said previously, like everyone, I wanted to be a marine biologist growing up because I thought I'd just get paid to scuba dive. So close yet so far. Still kind of a biologist. <laughs> but I just looked up Clive Cluster. He actually grew up about an hour away from us, Nick, where we grew up. I also love him because he always puts himself in his books. Oh, a little wink, wink. I don't know if you ever have an author who does that. Like, yeah, and the, the, he always helps Dirk Pitt do something, the main character. And then Dirk Pitt's always like, man, that guy looks really familiar, but I can't remember. And he loves classic cars, so he's always putting classic cars in his books. Each book has, you have like an environmental issue or something that the government needs help with, like Dirk Pitt and his sidekick Al Giordano go and investigate, and then Dirk Pitt ends up uh, with some woman, 
and saving the day from terrorists or something or some population from some chemical leaking or whatever and then also getting a classic car and Dirk Pitt embodies the dream Mike do you know where he lives he lives in a air an old airplane hangar and he just lives in a little side of it the rest is his collection of classic cars that is kind of the dream but you made me think of a question Nick and I don't know if you want to ask your question first or you want me to ask mine. Uh, I kind of forgot my question, so why don't you go? Perfect. Have you ever watched a TV show or movie, then read the book? I'm trying to think. Because, one, American Gods, for me, love that book. The TV show is pretty good, too. That was one of them. And one that's on my list is this TV show we're both big fans of, Nick, The Expanse. Those books are now on my list. That's what I thought of, too. I was like, man, I... I watch The Expanse. I should probably read the books, but I mean, not re- not that I can think of off the top of my head. If I mean, if if it counts, I mean, I saw Star Wars and then read the books, and I read like occasionally some Halo books, but nothing really that I saw and then read the books. What about you? Maybe it might jog my memory. What series or movie did you see and then read the book? The American Gods. That one forever sticks out in my head. That book. After I, wa- I watched like the first two seasons, figured out it was a book, got the book, finished the book within 24 hours. I I quite, quite enjoyed that book, and I highly recommend it to everyone. It That one really stuck out with me. Okay, um, real quick. Did you ever see the uh, the meme that's like the worst, the the most untrue thing Disney ever did is, picture, is show Zeus as a loving husband? Oh, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Probably Jason the Argonauts, too. I think I saw, like, some bad 90s movie of that and read, and then eventually read that book on that. Yeah, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure my mom's gonna be like, you saw this movie and then you watched, read the book, and I'm like, oh, I, I forgot. So, we've been talking about a lot of, of good books, uh, fictional books. What's the best reference book? you've ever read oh my god there's a lot as an engineer you collect a lot of like machining books i have this one book it's a thousand and one i can't remember the full title thousand and one gears and mechanics of the 1800s like just like machinery of the 1800s how the gears work what's the ratios utterly fascinating to me because like you see the inner works like a swiss clock of how everything works reference that quite often I have a 1960s books on mining, like uh, like digging in the dirt, that tells me like all the recipes for explosives. I have dozens upon dozens of reference of science books, um, quantum physics books, philosophy. Like the reference books is quite large in my library. What about you, Nick? What are reference books that you have? <laughs> so I didn't even realize this. So my wife she ordered something from Thrift Books, which is where we buy a lot of our books from because it's pretty cheap but she wouldn't tell me what it was but it's sitting on the desk next to me and it's 52 loaves one man's relentless pursuit of truth meaning in a perfect crust (laughs) (laughs) it's my wife's unofficial nomination but for me uh this might be i guess i should do something related to my industry but my the best reference book i've ever read is a book called Reading Trout Water. And it's essentially how to look at a river and figure out where the fish are. It is, for a reference book, I cannot put it down. I reference it all the time. 
it, it's such a good book. The illustrations are perfect. I learned so much from it. Like even for just like kayaking down a river, I am much better at reading the water, figuring out where rocks are and can look at a river and tell you kind of the topography below it. It's just such a, such an interesting book. Cannot recommend it enough to anyone who likes to fish on rivers, fly fishing, whatever. Just would highly recommend getting a copy. Interesting. I, we are definitely creatures of our, our habits and definitely creatures of our hobbies. That's definitely for sure. Um, I don't know how you'd classify this, but maybe books that kind of you didn't realize until later affected you. The book Tribe by Sebastian Younger. It's a pretty short book, but it has almost like a cult following. Like when people talk about Tribe, it's kind of the same energy people talk about the Boondock Saints. It's like, oh man, like you read Tribe, like we can be friends. Now that might just be the circles I'm in. It's very popular with people in Wildland Fire, and I think it also has a pretty big following of people in the military. It talks a lot about the reason why humans bond so closely to each other in somewhat stressful environments. But it also talks about how humans have interacted in the past and as a way of explaining how humans interact now. And I gave it to my dad to read, and he enjoyed it, And I, but I wish I had it because I always want to go back and look at it because... It really explains a lot. It really almost kind of... I know we we say it all the time, people say it all the time, about how we are really apes, but I think we overcomplicate overcompl- a lot. And so just looking at it from almost a simpler perspective, which I think is what this book did, helped a lot more people to understand the decisions that people make. Uh, I can relate to the... You know, you say something, you re- bond over the book. Every time I say, who is John Galt? And someone actually gets that reference or that quote, I know like, okay, we we can be friends. We're we're on the same page here. That's what I was talking about in fashion, where you wear like one t shirt from a company that's not like a well known company and someone recognizes it. Or you see someone at the airport wearing that brand and it's like, Oh, there's my friend. It's the same thing, like, yeah, if someone can recognize who is John Galt. Oh, friends. Yeah. <laughs> friends we found an oasis in the desert. But once again, we come back to Atlas Shrugged. That that was such a heavily influenced book on my life. I'll, I'll definitely say that. Yeah, I really did, really did enjoy that. Um, what's your favorite uh, like series? Who's your? Do you have a favorite author? Favorite author is kind of it's kind of like choosing your favorite child. It's it's kind of kind of hard. I mean, just for nostalgia and childhood, Rick Riordan, the Olympian series, because I the little kid me forever loves those books. As an adult, uh, probably Peter Diamonds. He writes him and his co-author. I I apologize. I should know your name. I've read, I think, every single book of yours. They write uh, kind of scientific books, a projective of where technology is going, new stuff coming out, how it influences, who are the CEOs and why this matters. I, I really enjoy their books. Like uh, uh, Abundance, I think, was like their first one, if I'm not mistaken. What about you, Nick? That's that's a tough one. I mean, if I had to put it in top five, I'd probably have to go Clive Klesler. And then I'd also have James Michener up in there. He writes novels about kind of a geographic area. I'd probably have to throw Tim Flannery up in there just because The Eternal Frontier was such a good book. Karen Travis. And then uh, I don't know where I'd go after that. But yeah, it is hard to narrow it down for sure. I'd, I'd, 
I don't know if I could give you just one. It, it depends on the context. I guess it's kind of like someone asking, you know, who's your favorite band? And you're like, well, it depends what kind of mood I'm in. Oh, my mood. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that brought me to an epiphany of thinking of when you're reading a book, Nick, do you read it watching the character or do you read it as you're the main character? Um, I read it at watching the character. So I guess that that depends on the book, right? Like, obviously, if I'm reading a series like Clive Klesler, there is a is a main character. But when the author doesn't describe the main character as much, uh, I don't know. I I really yeah. If it's I'd say it's rare that I put myself as the main character. I usually imagine him, even if it's completely fucked up and like not at all what the author is going for. Even after reading it. Once I've gotten the picture of the main character in my head, like that's that's the way it is. That's it's amazing how humans' imagination develops their own characters. But I'm the opposite. I tend to it might be my ego, but I tend to put myself in the main character's shoes. I don't know what that says about me. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, I got another honorable mention for favorite author. Did you ever read? I think it's Piers Anthony who wrote a a book or a, ser- a series of books about xanth which is like a mythical um world i don't know it's a it's a novel but he basically like created an entire world and all these characters and it's just such a his writing style and the world itself was so interesting i i think that's why you know you and me both you have a very high interest in explorers but growing uh, growing up i read all these books about all these different worlds and so it made me want to check out all these different things, I imagine. But I'd have to put Piers Anthony up in my favorite author as one. Um, Xanth was definitely a, just an interesting novel. Just I, I really enjoyed science fiction and some of the fantasy just because just man, the worlds are crazy. Like there's, you know, it really let the imagination go. I'd be willing to wager that the more books or what type of books you read heavily impact the person. Well, that's kind of what you're saying, but... If you read more traveling or adventure books, you have more adventure or traveling qualities. Like maybe those books call to you. And Nick, we both moved quite far away from where we grew up. And I, we both grew, we both grew up reading books on traveling adventures. And God, the amount of different worlds. Oh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Can't believe I forgot about that book. Uh, sorry, ignore that. But anyhow, uh, having reading books about adventures and traveling. That makes like a like a call for the wild, pretty much, and I can't agree with you more, Nick. Of the beautiful worlds created by a person's imagination that we can just dive into, makes me want to explore and create more. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it it is it, the storytelling of creating worlds, and that's something that I think I got from all the books I read, but specifically from a lot of the Star Wars books, and that I really appreciate about you know, certain video game series like say mass effect or something when they create worlds that are believable with a story behind it and then you play other games where the you know or read books where the the world isn't believable the ability to create an a, a believable world even if it is unbelievable like i'm trying to think of a good example of uh if you don't lose track of time while you're reading or playing it it's probably not a good story yeah like it's kind of like the Matrix, right? Where uh, every the world where everything was perfect, no one would believe. Like you can't just create a perfect world. There has to be some semblance of strife in it. 
Yeah, you could ha- like look at uh, Dune. I don't know if you ever read Dune. Nick. I didn't, but it's on my list because um, I'm a like I said a huge Star Wars nerd. I'm really looking forward to this new podcast coming out on uh, this. It's about the books that inspired like George Lucas and Star Wars and the world that he created, and it's all about like the kind of the rise of science fiction, but and the morality of Star Wars and stuff. But Dune is definitely one of those books that every sci-fi lover talks about like it is it is iconic in that world as like the precursor of everything it but it goes completely on par what you're saying of where it's so ridiculous but yet it's still based on like there's like no matter how crazy it is there are still rules like there's still structure to the craziness so it makes it believable like the names the the air the 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 powders everyone's fighting over it's completely insane, but there are rules, and they follow the rules, and you get you get lost in that story. I highly recommend it. So, I had a question for you. Are you a big? It doesn't seem like you're a huge, uh, or maybe not as big as me, like a science fiction fantasy kind of kind of fan. You seem to be more rooted in reality, and occasionally delving off into science fiction. But it doesn't seem like it had as big of impact on you as it did me. Maybe I'm a big sci-fi and fantasy fan, but the biggest impacts on me have always been more dystopia books as weird as that sounds like uh brave new world fahrenheit 41 atlas shrugged those books had the more heavier influence on my life uh i don't get me wrong like i loved reading lord of the rings when i was growing up uh, i love aragon uh, aragon series i love again olympian series probably always be my favorite series i've always loved the fantasy and sci-fi categories but the heavy impacts on my life has always been the dystopias. Well, good thing it's 2021. You must be loving this. Uh, honestly, this is the apocalypse. This is a pretty shitty apocalypse. Like, where where's the Mad Max? Where are the guns? Well, the you can't chicks? just go where's... straight into Mad Max. First, you have to have but Mad Max it. 1, and then you get Road Warrior, and then you go beyond Thunderdome, Mike. There is an order to things, and they will. you have to observe the order. Fuck that. I want Furry Road and I want it now. That's even farther in the future. This is what's wrong with millennials <laughs> these days, I swear. <laughs> no, but uh, sci-fi books and fantasy books, like American Gods fantasy books, which I which I mentioned a little earlier, sci-fi books. My sci-fi, is, my sci-fi quickly transitioned into real science. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love sci-fi, but sci-fi, like I, that quickly turned into like, oh, there's truth behind this. There's truth behind teleportation. There's truth behind lightsabers. There's truth behind flight. There's truth behind aliens. And I quickly drove the science fi into, hey, what are the actual physics of it? What can I be done with this? So don't get me wrong. I have a love for sci-fi. But I don't know why. They just they were always more to kill a time or just enjoy a book. Not They never really hugely impact my life, which sounds quite the different for you. It sounds like they're nothing but huge impact on your life. So here's kind of a random thought I had talking about kind of science fiction. I liked books about regular people almost more than the books about like the Jedi or the hero, specifically like in Star Wars. Like I liked the books about the clones. I liked the books about the people. I liked the books in uh, like the memoirs from Vietnam about like the, the regular people, not the generals. Do you like, I mean, do you like books about, I mean, you like books about scientists but do you i mean does that 
Is that something you've been interested in or kind of found yourself gravitating to of who you read the books about, about like the hero who does everything or about like the kind of regular guy who kind of goes along and he's the hero of his own story, but he's just playing a part in a larger story. So I think both. I, the characters I tend to be drawn to are anti-heroes where those are my favorite type of characters and those are the ones I gravitate to. So I can see like having like King Arthur stories like I like I've read where it's just main person continues on doing that that's it I definitely gone with that and also also some sideline characters like they contribute to you know like the mission like they're they're like they completed a battle in the war and that battle was huge that was a story but wasn't the entire war but I'd have to say I kind of tend towards the traditional main hero like the the one the the common man thrown into an uncommon situation has to rise and becomes the lead yeah and i i love those books too the example to that um the book uh, the big burn about the 1910 fires there is a a lot of a lot of ordinary people who got thrown into extraordinary situations who came out on top and it talked obviously is a good book so it talked about teddy roosevelt Gifford Pinchot, a few other people at the beginning of the forestry, but it then it talked about how people reacted to a fire that spanned from Washington through Idaho into Montana over the course of a day and a half. Like it was immediately one of the largest fires that had ever been seen. Uh, it's a thousand year event, very uncommon. But in what normal people did, who just like you said, were put into extraordinary situations. And then you obviously have to wonder, what would you do in that situation? Even though it's a completely real book, it's almost like a fantasy because of trying to figure out how you would play a role in it. And it has one of my favorite lines from uh, Telegram. There's a there's a forester trying to set up a camp and maintain control of this camp inside a national forest. And he said, like, there's two uh, ugly prostitutes who I can't get to leave the land. What should I do? And the telegram back just said, find nicer prostitutes. <laughs> I forget exactly That's the wording they one. used is a long time ago. So whatever is a fancy word for find prettier prostitutes is what it was, but definitely a good one. Yeah, I I guess that's, like I mentioned earlier, I tend to throw myself into the hero's position in the novel. And always before the next page, I'm like, what would I, what, what I'm going to do in this situation? I, I run through scenarios in my mind quite often, so... Maybe maybe you throw yourself into the main character's shoes more often than That's you think. That's true. Here's another book that I really enjoyed. Uh, the Forgotten Soldier is a book about a German soldier on the Eastern Front during World War II. And it's just like a normal guy put into extraordinary situations. Just I know it's taboo to talk about the Germans in World War II, but these were people. And just the what they had to go through. I mean, remember, they were starving to death and they had to you know, kill and eat a horse and they're trying to get their vehicles to move. And so they all had to pee into it to get it to go because it would run off literally anything. They just had no liquid available. It just, just like a normal guy, not like a general or anything. Just what are you going to do in this extraordinary situation? An extraordinary situation. I mean, fighting the Russians because that's fucking terrifying. That is, yeah. Pack your winter clothes because uh, no one invades Russia. No, I, I think that's just human nature to throw yourself into their shoes and figure out what you would do and not do. 
that's uh i think a very human thing to do to run through scenarios in your head because hell i do it in the showers i do like fake conversations granted it might stem from you know just a basic human need of like okay if this scenario happens this is how i handle this scenario and books with wild imagination worlds might be a good thought experiment for the human minds to develop and grow yeah and i mean that's as far as we know what we do when we sleep right just run through scenarios maybe books are just our dreams come to life i don't know have you ever um this is i don't even know what you would call this genre but it's a genre that i'm really interested in that is probably reflected in most of our podcast but i love the story of how a single thing changed history throughout time for example the book that i first read was called uh, american canopy and it's the story of forest timber lumber how it affected the united states from its before its birth to now just like the history of wood as a commodity of how the wood in the united states is valued for shipbuilding mass that helped Europe win all these wars, why it was such an important thing for them to hold on to, the relationship between the U.S. and Canada fighting over wood, how World War II, the United States' supply of spruce, helped give the Allies an edge in the war, all these little things. And then the next time I talk about in the bees, I read this book, Bees in America, about the same thing, the history of bees and how they shaped the history of the United States that really just explore how little things even if whether it's bees or lumber, but just almost how small a thing can be and how large an impact it can have about there's all these things in our lives that we don't know are impacting us right now, but have actually pretty large effects, even if we never think about it. I would say those would be like butterfly effect books. Um, and Nick, you're talking to the guy who's literally researching pineapples right now. So uh, yes, I do in fact love those books. <laughs> Yeah, that's I that's a perfect word. I love that butterfly effect books because it is just one little thing and how it's played out through time. But it is it's crazy to me and I think it also the message there is so great, right? That this little thing whether it be, you know, a tree, species of trees or uh even just bees, the effect they can have on a nation in the world is pretty insane. And so it's almost like, even if you don't realize it, your effect is is larger on the world than you think. I, I can't remember the title of the book, but it was talking about uh, like how Rome went to war one time because some far-off country like had a bad harvest and it caused the grain prices to peak in, in that area, which then caused other people to you know look for other food sources, which then caught them invading. And then that caused like, this ripple effect of war just because someone had a bad season of crops that's always interesting to me and also the story of alexander the great where his mother may or may not have had his father assassinated so simply her son could rise to power and he would not go on to conquer the known world at that time just just little things like that even greek myths greek i'm a sucker for greek myths so uh say like uh, achilles where his father dipped him in the river sticks to protect him from every blade, but he was so scared of losing his son, he pinched onto the baby's heel so he couldn't let him go, and that was his weak spot. And now Achilles' tendon will forever be known throughout history, and it's all because of the Iliad. That one novel, that one book of one little thing, how it impacted, even though it was probably fiction, even though Troy was a real city, echoes throughout eternity and caused 
huge ripples in science, mathematics, this, the whole world. Yeah, definitely. I like it. Yeah, definitely a topic for me. Obviously, shown through those books, but even The Eternal Frontier by Tim Flannery and the Michener books as well. I, I do enjoy the stories of where one person's impact, like you said, can have a ripple effect through the rest of history. If you zig instead of zag, things turn out way differently. Hey, I did remember a movie that I watched and then read the book. Ooh, what is James that? Bond, Casino Royale. I saw the movie and then I read the book by Ian Fleming. There's a book on Casino Royale? There was originally a book and then it became a movie that became way bigger than the book. Interesting. I'll have to look into that. I like the James Bond films originally a book mike blowing your mind <laughs> everything is originally a book Ooh, that I, we might get this might be a two hour long podcast we go down this rabbit hole but top of your head what is probably a couple of the movies or a couple of the books you read that were way better than movies i mean besides everything the one i can think of black hawk down the book so much better than the movie like unreal how great that that book was by mark bowden Inkart comes to mind for me what's uh, that i don't know if i've ever heard that it's a it's a fantasy book where certain people in this world when they read a book they they're called silver tongues they bring it to life um so there's two world, two major worlds and silver tongues can bring people out of that world into their world and when those silver tongues read books out loud they you know if he read like uh the uh, like Aladdin with like thieves and all the gold that all that gold will come pouring out and it's about this father daughter and uh, this tale of them trying to find this book to send like the the villains back and bring their family back it's a really good book uh they tried doing it a movie with some actually pretty big names like Brendan Fraser and uh the guy who plays Vision who I always forget his name even though I like him as an actor but boy did that movie suck like I, I understood what they were trying to do, but they they just try to cram too much in. It just it was no not good not good. Just just read the book. Yeah, I I imagine I do have to say that I think part of the reason that I mentioned Black Hawk Down is because the movie was good. Like it you really like it was a good movie. It's just you you can't beat the book. I mean, there's it's been done before. I'm trying to remember. That's that's probably a better question of what movies are better than the book. Is is there any? I feel like I've seen one, and I was like, oh, shit, that was the one. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have a pretty bad book to do, <laughs> to do that. <laughs> okay, so it's uh, kind of, I don't know. What are some, we're kind of near on the edge, and unless you had some, but I'm just going to close out with honorable mention books of books that maybe we didn't talk about, but you thought were good books that you want to give a shout out to for whatever reason. I know, um, here I'll give, I'll give one, uh, the book, the thief Lord I read in. Oh, that's such a good book. I read that. Uh, I kind of remember to my mom. I just called her. Cause like, Hey, what's a book that I, I'm forgetting to mention on this list because I know you're going to bug me later. And so I read that book to her while she was painting, which not only is a good book, but there's a good memory there. So I guess before we get to honorable mention books, do you have any good books that you just have a good memory attached to? Oh, yes. Um, 
I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's a it's a kids book. It's like a, uh, it's like Ways to Chicago or something like that. It's about a uh, brother and sister who move into uh, their grandmother's house for the summer, and I just remember laying on my laying on my grandma's bed, and we would take turns switching off reading the book, and then once in a while we would pause, we'd go get some teen honey for our voices, some snacks, talk about what just happened in the book, and go back to reading it. It was like a stormy weekend or something like that, and that was that that book was absolutely wonderful. I still have it. I just can't remember the name of it. The life of me. Oh, that's okay. I couldn't remember the book until I I was like, yeah, it's the one with the kids, and they live in the the theater, and they're in Venice. But I could not remember the book unless you uh, showed it to me, and she sent me a picture. But yeah, that's uh such great memories tied to just reading the book let alone anything else it is funny though how such like a solitary activity can be tied to like you know happy memories like that i guess i mean reading's pretty solitary activity for the most part yeah but yet we still we could all gather around a fire read and tell stories it's just human nature to tell a good tale a good story so i was looking up books or movies that were better than the book and you know what the top one is? Oh, God. What? Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, if you have any good book recommendations, we will always take them. There's there's always room for more books. So if you have any recommendations, please tell us. And Nick, besides you being in Brokeback Mountain, where can they find us and tell us where what books to read? Find us on instagram or youtube but yeah send us you us you cannot find us on twitter because there's no reading that goes on on twitter we just spent <laughs> about an hour talking about how much we love the written word and 240 characters is not enough to build a get your intro your rising action climax and your falling action in there so we're just going to skip all of that thank you all for listening Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.